everyone and welcome back to the Two Baggies One Light Bulb podcast. Uh, we return uh, back again, me and Dom. Hello Dom. Alright guys, how's it going? Uh, you know, we're back. Uh, old setup for now because uh, I forgot to charge the laptop, so we're back to one mic. But hoping it's okay. Uh, if it isn't, you guys let us know. Um, but we're here, we're going to talk about the Albion. Um, in typical fashion, since our last podcast, there's been a whole lot of developments in transfers. Um but, you know, we're not trying to drone on about those uh, today. We'll have a quick discussion about those. But today, we're making a uh, sort of a happy birthday Hawthorns episode, aren't we, Dom? Yeah, yeah, we're going to mark the occasion, the, the 120 years of the Hawthorns. Uh, obviously, because of our age, uh, it's the only uh, stadium we've ever, know, uh, we've ever known. Um, and very much like you at home, it's the only stadium you've ever, you've ever known, unless you're 121 years old. Uh, in which case, um, very well done, because you're probably the oldest person on the planet. And you live in and around the local area. And if you are 121, let us know. And you can navigate podcast apps, which is really the big achievement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like post-generational, that is. That is quite remarkable. Um, But we're going to talk. We're going to talk about memories, first times. Um, I mean, I've worked in the the Hawthorns, so I've probably got some... I've been to the Hawthorns. There we go. So it's it's a perfect balance, guys. (laughs) Um, So, you know, stick around. um, And we're going to get straight into it. Okay, so to start, uh, it seems logical to start with the first time we went to the Hawthorns, the first time we watched a game. Uh, yep. Don, why don't you kick us off? Yep, so first time I ever went to the Hawthorns, um, I was about eight or nine. Um, I know who we were playing, and I remember the context of it, but I don't remember the score, and uh, I don't remember you know, the, anything about it in terms of what was going on in the game, because I was about eight or nine years old, like I said. Um, I remember uh, it was against Oldham. And this would have been, it was about eight or nine, so maybe 98, 99, something mm. like that. Uh, and I remember my dad picking me up from uh, dance classes. Jeez, come yeah, on. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, just as a bit of a thing, it was, it was me and I was the only lad in a group of 30 girls. So 29 girls, one guy, um, specky little kid with spots and glasses um my mom didn't think i was getting beaten up enough at school so she thought oh we'll put me in dance classes as well that'll be great um so my dad came over and he was like um it was we were you know finishing the macarena or whatever the hell we were doing <laughs> and uh, he came up and he went uh right so i'm taking i'm taking this to the football taking to the football i think he, he thought well we need to masculine this kid up a little bit you know what i mean there's too much <laughs> tap dancing going on here um so he took me out and he was like right we're going to the Hawthorns. uh i'll buy you a pie and a pack of sweets and, uh, pint, i'll buy you a pint buy you a pint this dance this dance has re- got a bit out of hand we need to reverse uh, everything as quickly as possible that's it we need to we need to push as much masculinity on him as possible get him a pint of bitter a pack of 20 uh marlborough reds um, pork scratchings. and he's not going to stop until he smoked every single one of them and a pack of pork scratchings and he's scratched his own ass you know, he's got to be the most masculine, hyper-masculine thing you can possibly do. But, uh, yeah, he picked me... Well, so he picked me up and he was like, yeah, we're going to go to the Albion. And, um, you know, I was eight or nine. I had very little knowledge of football or West Brom. The only thing that I knew was that my dad supported them and he was into the football. Um, so we went and um, watched the game. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I think I was more preoccupied with the uh, the pie and the um, and the sweets and all the accoutrements that went with the uh, with the game. 
um, you know, I was kind of dicking about on the seats and whatever and probably making it a pain in the ass. My dad, he was trying to sit there and watch the damn game and I was just, uh, you know, uh, sodding about. Um, but one thing I do remember, and I can't remember if it was that match um, or another match, but I remember um, because that was my first time at the Hawthorns, but it wasn't the first time that I enjoyed the Albion. That was the first time I went, and I don't know if anyone's like this at home, where they've gone and they couldn't appreciate it. I couldn't. I went and I was too young to really appreciate it. It was only kind of years after that, maybe my early teenage years, 13 or so, when I was learning about football. I was addicted to Championship Manager. Um, you know, I was a stat head. Um, I watched football way too much. Um, and I went to the Albion because I loved the idea of watching live football, and they were my local club. And I was, I really, really wanted to go. And I remember going and uh, going to the Halfords Lane, which was, you know, the stand that me and Max used to go to quite a lot when we were growing up. Um, and walking up the first set of stairs. The West Stand as it is now. The West Stand as it is now. And the, um, the, fir- the, the front set of stairs on the right of the turnstiles. And walking up and seeing the pitch for the first time. The, and the, you, the double stairs. The double stairs. Yeah, yeah. And you go up to the top and it's like, you know, sort of half an hour, 45 minutes before kickoff. There's a bit of a zoo on the uh, on the pitch, um, you know, and you get the kind of butterflies yeah. before the game. And I just remember that distinctly. I don't know what game it was or whatever, but that was the first time I remember going to the Hawthorns and kind of soaking in the importance of it. Yeah, I, I think that's the that, that beauty and feeling still happens to me every time I go to the Hawthorns. It's not the same, not going out and I'm thinking, wow, look at all this, is mate, because I've seen it. Yeah hundreds of times over many years but I still walk up onto the terraces and I think I, I genuinely it's not the nicest stadium it's not the biggest stadium it's just it's your it's a nice ground and I love it and I think that's what really mm. resonates with a lot of fans I think that it's that thing where it's like when you've got your local pub or you know whatever your local gym or whatever it just feels homely and it just feels like you're so used to it you know where everything is it's like walking in your house you know where the toilets are, you know where the refreshments are, you know where your seat is. If anyone asks for directions to go to a row, you can help them out. It's that kind of thing. It's knowing what time you can go down and get a pie and get back without standing in a huge line. I mean, that's that's some real information. Yeah, that, that, that's that's the key thing. Like, you know, you see all the uh, still people. Like, you hit, you see the clock hit thirty eight minutes, and you see people slowly trickling Edging down the in, steps yeah, yeah. Uh, and getting their getting their drinks, getting their pies. Um, and that, that's just a fun part of it for me. It's like a mini game within within the game it is difficult it is difficult going back to that point you were saying before keeping you know that kind of feeling alive because you know like us too we were season tick holders you know i was season ticket holder for 15 years or so um you know it's difficult to feel that every game because you get you get used to going to the games and whatever but you do remember the moments you know um it becomes less of a um you know event it becomes less of an event it becomes more part of a lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're a kid, when I was going there, when I was a little kid, you know, eight or whatever, and you go once every, you know, you know, a few times a year, it's a big event. Now it's not so much an event. It's literally a lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what I, I feel, especially because, I mean, we, 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 we stopped going to season Nick holders because Pulis football like, yeah. killed the enjoyment for a lot of, a lot of fans, us included. Um, so a lot of my because I now when I go and I think for you as well. I mean, me and Dom are six foot four, six foot five, <laughs> six six. So like sitting in the Halfers Lane, one, it's not the best atmosphere. Two, 
we don't fit there because our knees, yeah, we our legs are too big. So we have to go to the E stand and it's it's a lot more leg room. I don't think the leg room's been extended for 120 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Um, so we go to the E stand now, but my memories are brandished in the seat we had, yeah. in the position we are, mm. and I can replay these. I'm doing it now. I can yeah, yeah. replay these memories as if it was a... A recording from that from that seat in the West End, but I can see I can see Amalfitano's, you know, forty yard goal against Cardiff. I can see mm. Gira's volley. I can see Stephen Reid's free kick. Yeah, all these memories, and that's the beauty to me. Mm. And I'm not saying it's different for anyone else, but so I've got a mate. He supports United. He's not plastic. He's not a glory hunter. His dad's a huge United fan, and so is he. Mm. But you know, living here, he can't go to every United game. Mm. So I'm not sure if he does. But he might sit in different seats at different times. And for some people, that's definitely the case. Say if they go, they support Chelsea and it's really hard to get seats there. They don't, they won't have the same memory as that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for a club like ours and a stadium like ours, these memories are, are, are really burnt into your mind and the stadium is a part of that. And and I, I think, think that's, what be- that's what's so beautiful about it. I think on the flip side of that as well, um, using your mate as an example, being a Man United fan living around here, um, it might still be um, an event for him. So, yeah. you know, when he goes to the Old Trafford a few times a year, it's like eight-year-old me or eight-year-old you going to the Hawthorns, you know, because he, just because of, you know, geography, he can't go to every single game. So he, when he does go to a game, it's extra special for him, but it's less of a lifestyle like it is when we were going. Um, you know, that's that's very interesting. I had a conversation with um, with someone recently, actually, and they were talking about, um, I don't know what the word is, but not the pointlessness of going to live football. But he was saying that, um, oh, we live in an age now where I can literally watch every game, you know, pi- pirated or not, uh, on the TV. You know, what's the difference between going and watching a live game and watching it on the TV when I could still watch it? And it's true, we live in this modern world now where you can, I can watch a game that's happening, you know, thousands of miles away from the comfort of my own home. But what you don't get from uh, TV uh, compared to a live game is all the little contextual uh, extras that go along with the game. You go into the game, being surrounded by people that love something. Chance, uh, at I the mean, same chance time, are a huge chance, part of it. Everything. Just, I remember the countless times, and you guys can probably relate. Just seeing something in the crowd, uh, or I don't know, do you want to go look at that idiot over there in the away mm-hmm. and getting taken out? It's just little things like that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And and it's the at the end of that, it's the co- it's the camaraderie. At the stadium, that's brilliant, especially in like, you know, the, the sex of the Brummy Road, the Smevic End, and and sex of the East Stand. Halfers Lane, not so much. Yeah. Um, but even then, there's still that sense of camaraderie. You know, you took, you know, there's been times at games I don't even know the bloke next to me, but we're still talking. Mm. You know, we'll go. Oh, that's a, that's a crap pass that was. Mm. You know, what's he doing there? I'd have picked this player over that. And I think that's the beauty of it. I think there's always been a bit of um a weird um sort of. Uh, division between sort of live football fans that go every week and whatever, yeah. and then a derision by those kind of some of those fans yeah, saying I, about I mean, armchair I'd like fans. To, I'd like to dispel things. So I, I spoke to this one guy. I apologise if you do listen to the podcast. I can't remember your name or your Instagram handle. He's probably not. Um, but he um, <laughs> he contacted me on at Albion Opinions, cheeky blood. Um, and he said, and I, I I said something. And I was like, oh, it's, it's a load of rubbish when people say, oh, you can't support teams if you don't go to games. Because it's such, it's such a bollocks. And it's rubbish it because... And this guy was telling me, he's from Bristol. 
but and he tries to watch every game and he can, he can only get to a few games and when he does he loves it but he still follows the team and he does everything whether you follow the team intently or not you can still call yourself a fan and we've got the difference between supporters and fans and rubbish like this so uh, I posted the rounds um, early this week I don't know if you saw on Instagram and Twitter going oh you're not a real football fan if you've never seen this stadium on an away day and it was the Banks' stadium you know you can see it on yeah, yeah. Uh, on the motorway going through on towards Spaghetti Junction and that past Star City uh, and you can see it and it's like you're not a real football fan if you haven't seen this and someone put oh I'll be sure to stop off at the Banksy Stadium when I'm on the train on the way to the next away day uh, the next away day so I can get my proper uh, proper fan sticker yeah it's, it's just, all rubbish yeah. and it's it's all peddled by you know your typical fan who's like oh support your local and I agree to an extent it's great to support your local but if you want to go and support all, if you want to go and support Alden but you live in Birmingham do it you know who cares those those fans aren't going to do that but it's it's more so like it's it's those fans that support you know sort of the big teams that don't live in that area but i get i get that for me personally when i was growing up um it's 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 two things one you know your family supports the team and you grow up with that team so you grow up you know watching those matches and that helps you to become a fan of that team. Not necessarily. Some people it does the opposite way. Some people I know that are Albion fans, they're kids of Villa fans and things like that. I don't know why or they support different clubs. You know, it's, well, it's up to them. Uh, but... My mum's a Villa fan. Well, yeah, and you're um, an Albion fan. Uh, and I'm an Albion fan. Uh, a lot of that comes down to the fact that my my, my dad and, mm-hmm. and your dad are a big Al- and, yeah. uh, and our uncle as well. Big Albion fans, you know, grew up, what, five, ten minutes from the stadium. Mm. Um, and... You know, so we were brought up as Albion fans. Don't think my mum could do much about it, but you know that, that's just what happens. You know, support who you want. Yeah, it, it depends. It's just on why you want to support a football team. Because the one thing that unites everyone is that we're all football fans, and that's the main thing. I've always maintained that I'm a football fan first and a West Brom fan second. That's what it is, and it does. It's no, it's no um, slight against you know the club that I love and want to support. It's just obviously you're a fan of the the form itself as a foremost, and then everything else comes. As I, I part think of that's, it. Uh, and I think, uh, and again, people have a problem with that, but I think it's it's a great place to have. I, I I I wouldn't say the same because there's been times where I've fell out of love with football, mm. but followed the Albion, you know, watched every game, stuff like that. Mm. But football's sort of fell back a bit. And I think that's that's a pretty natural thing for a lot of guys and, and girls around a certain age. I just I love the Albion, but the I just I, I didn't watch the Premier League for a couple of years. Mm. I was only watching the Albion, and yeah, we got relegated and whatnot. But that's just what happened. Um, and then I found myself coming back to it, and and again, I'm back in love with football. Um, but my love for Albion has never wavered. Mm. I, I just think that that's a difference. But to say you love football is uh, over the Albion is fine because. Football is beautiful. It's it's global and it, it's it's hard to put into words. But for me, for me, um, the fact that I like you know my love of football trumps a love of club. It goes hand in hand because bringing it back to the Hawthorns is again like we said before. There's nothing wrong with supporting a team that's not your local team. It, it just depends on your reasons for doing it. You know, if you are a fan of you know say Pep Guardiola or the way that he plays football, and you're a Man City fan and you want to watch those games live and you want to support that team, I admire that. I like that idea. You know, I, am I a Pep Guardiola fan as well? Yeah, I'm a fan of any football that I really really like. But I'm also an Albion fan, and the reason why I'm an Albion fan is because I've got a history with Albion. 
Um, I've put my time into the Albion. But more than anything, it's because they're my local club and I really, really enjoy watching live football. I love going to the games. I love watching it. And because they're my local club, they allow me to do that. And, you know, I have a bunch of memories because of that. And it's all these other things that make me, you know, that particular Albion fan. And that comes down to the Hawthorns. That comes down to the stadium. You know, the stadium has allowed me to become an Albion fan. You know, if I was, you know, in another life, if I was living in Manchester and lived five minutes down the road from Old Trafford, I'd have been a Man United fan because I wanted to watch live football. You know, that would be the rationale for it. It, It's not to get too metaphorical and, and, you know, and stuff like that, but the Hawthorns itself, the stands, the, the buildings and whatever... It, it, it's a it's a literal representation of this of this thing that you love and, and admire so much so yes there's the badge and there's the kit but then there's this huge 26,000 seater stadium that represents this and, and holds these memories and I think that's why the Hawthorns is so special to a lot of people mm. because it's that physical representation uh, of, of something we follow so so wholeheartedly yeah absolutely and it's the thing that tie, ties it all together you know, we can all come to this one place. We all have a collective consciousness of um, we want to watch our club and we want the best for the club because if the club does well, we do well as part of it. That part of our life, our footballing yeah. part of our life is good, you know. Um, and there's there's a bunch of memories that are, are held in there in the same way that in a, any other aspect of life, yeah. you know. Um, so like we say, 120 years of the Hawthorns. Um, and I've just realised that we don't know your first football manager. Well, yeah. Um, At the Hawthorns. Uh, the Hawthorns. Uh, I said to you that there must have been some other cup games and other moments that I can't really, you know, put together at the Hawthorns. I'm pretty sure my first game was Leicester away. Um, but my first game at the Hawthorns, I think, um, was the 21st of September, 2008. Uh, three days before my birthday. I was 7 eight. And my parents had um, had got me a, a present as a mascot mm. against Villa. Um, so I was a mascot against Villa. I walked out with Robert Corrin, um, sat in uh, the far as you're looking at towards the east stand in the west stand on the on the corner. Yeah. By Smedy, sat there with my mom and dad, um, and you guys were in your regular seats up there. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, we lost two one. Um, mm. but it, it was so special to me to be, I mean, I, I, coming back to me, like you play on the pitch, passing the ball around, you got players around you and then you're in the tunnel and then there's Robert Corrin there yeah. and it, it's just amazing. It, it was a re- I, I can't, I can't remember much. Yeah. Being part it was of so long ago, but you know, it was great. You know, I still got the, you got, you got the free kit, you know, Did you get still a free got kit? that. Yeah. You got a full kit. You got a full kit. It's brilliant, man. Uh, so yeah. And we're in the Premier League then. It's a shame we lost, um, but yeah, that, that really, season. that really helped push me on towards being an Albion fan. Because, like, like you said, when you're young, you know football is a thing, but it's hard to, you know, have a club to support. You know, so I I played football from a young age, um, and for a while, uh, I and Sam, my cousin's uh, dog brother, supported um, Man United. Ooh. Um, so this was this was probably between the ages three and six. So I was aware of football, and I because I, I loved, I love Wayne Rooney. I love Rude Van Nistelrooy. I actually had fish and named them Wayne and Rude because <laughs> I, I 
And I think it had a lot to do with the fact I just liked the red kit and just like there were guys that scored goals. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, no, like every kid at that age thinks there's some really they're going to be some huge star. Also, also helped that they were uh, an incredible team at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that um, also helped. It wasn't like you were uh, supporting Leighton Orient and went, oh, "I love that kid." Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, uh, then I like a few. It must have been a few Albion games. Uh, aware of how much uh, our dads liked the team, uh, and then the mascot, and then slowly more games until eventually um, I was old enough and. My, my dad st- uh, was taking me to games uh, and we all went in the same place. All season ticket holders in yeah, the West for, Yeah, for a long time, really, wasn't it? Really Very long. It. Until, like I uh, say, until the pool this season where he was sacked and we were it was our final season in the Premier League. I mean, you went. For, you had a season ticket far longer Just before, than me. before, sorry. Before the party. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you had a season ticket far longer than I did. Um, but, but not to slander your age, but that has far more to do with age because... Well, you it's know, not slander, I, it's fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I, when then when I got a bit older, then my dad me was old, take, oh, I'm sorry, mate. Um, yeah. And then uh, when I when I was old enough, my dad would take me, uh, and we'd all go, um, and just just quickly because this is we don't want to have a too long of an episode. Wait till the whole um, episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, just even the parking and the memories of the walks. So <laughs> the parking. No, memories? no, those sweet, sweet no, but parking like, memories. Surely someone else can relate. So I know what you Ken, mean. Ken, I know what you're going to say. Way, with the DPD, Kendrick de- White, yeah, yeah, the DPD, and like every every game, your dad would love to park in the middle of the. Uh, yeah, it, it of became the, of the, of the, uh, it became a right. game for him. There was he had a nemesis. Just he had an, he had this guy that had this white van, this small white van. I think he might have been a plasterer or something. And the guy literally would get to the game two hours or two and a half hours before the game and get this spot. And it got to a point where it became such a level of toxicity for my dad. I mean, I was like 13, whatever at the time. And he'd be like, get in the car. We've got to go. We've got to go. So, like, <laughs> dad, it's like, it's, it's half past 12. It's 12 o'clock. You know what we're going to be doing? We could, we could go in the stadium. The stadium won't be open yet. And we just freeze at our butts off around the Albion just because he wanted to beat this guy. And never did. Brilliant. It's I mean, these... I, again, <laughs> there were times, I, I, like I said, I was like oh, 12, 13, 14, no, 11, 12 when I got a first season ticket. Um, and I, I was obsessed with going to the games early. I'd drag my dad. We've all been there, though. We'd I think, be there. As kids. We'd leave at 12 or uh, before 12 because I wanted to be there when they opened and I wanted to sit there. I liked to sit there. I used to have a, like a drink or something and just watch the guys warm up. Mm. And that's when I was obsessed with football. And I was playing so much FIFA that I could pick out any player and say their nationality and which foot they had and have a. Uh, it's not going to be perfect statistical analysis from FIFA, but I could pick out their strengths and weaknesses based on... Dude, we all, we all did that, like going, going to yeah. a game a couple hours before and waiting for the, for the players to come in their cars yeah. when you're a kid and you'd be out and like, oh, can I have, can I have an autograph? I remember distinctly, um, it might have been slightly just before you started coming, but when I first started going, like probably the first season I got a season ticket, and we bought um, a defender from Everton called Steve Watson, and he was old at the time when he came, and like it was obviously football was still well moneyed but it's not like to the huge ridiculous levels now and I remember him coming and I think it might have been his first game or second game and um, I was waiting outside like getting players autographs and they used to park sort of um, on the Halfords Lane there was like a parking area where the academy is and stuff they used to sometimes park down there and um, you know like you had all the players come in their Land Rovers and, and stuff like that usually it was Land Rovers it was Land Rover Land Rover Land Rover Land Rover 
And um, Steve Watson came in his like wife's metro. He <laughs> <laughs> came this banger like down the road, parks it up. He goes, oh yeah, I've had to take the wife's car in today because mine's <laughs> in the shop. And it, it wasn't Ronnie Wall Workshop. And um, God, we don't want to get into any more. Yeah, uh, good old players. Ronnie. And, Jesus uh, Christ. Good old Ronnie's chop shop. Um, but well, we don't want to get into any more former players. That's it. But um, I just found that funny. You know, just little memories like that that you that you consider. Yeah. Um. It's just, it's just spe- it's a special ground, special memories. Um. And the Albion, they, they did well to commemorate it the way they did. I thought the video they put out was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it feels fitting to be back in the Premier League, hundred twentieth. Year of the Hawthorns. What do you reckon? We've we've talked about a lot about our memories of the Hawthorns and sort of a little bit about the history and the fact that it's 120 years um, since it's been built. Um, what about the future of the Hawthorns? How do you think we're going to be able to progress with it? I mean, there's been talk over the years of extending it, um, things like that, bits and pieces we've touched on in previous episodes. Um, what do you reckon the future of the, the stadium is? Do you reckon we'll need to move to progress? Do you feel like... It's a good enough home for us at the moment. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think there's any need to progress. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we need to build it up. We need a 50,000... Because we don't need a 50,000 seat no. stadium. Not even close. You know, Premier League, we're going to have some sellouts, but it's not going to be a sellout every week. Um, as an ice cream man goes past. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I don't think expansion is the way forward. I'd like to see a bit more... I'd like to see some more statues. I'd like to see some... Some more. So the fan zone was. A, I know it's not the stadium itself, mm. but in and around the fan zone, I thought it was a great addition. Um, just stuff like that. Uh, we said this before. A new sound system would be lovely. Yeah. Um, and I, a new sound system. I don't we wanna, sound so modest. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I've worked at the ground, um, and I think some of the hospitality is really nice. I just think they could, like, you know, you go to other stadiums, and it looks it's amazing. Mm. Um, and I get the Hawthorns is far more of a multi-function multi-purpose thing in the hospitality you know they they do a great job of putting on events for companies and and corporate events and and birthdays and stuff like that so i understand it can't be plastered blue and have badges everywhere Mm. like some stadiums do um but a bit more character in there would be cool yeah um, i think uh but yeah you know it shows the modesty for us to go we'll have a new sound system please yeah uh, and then other clubs are going we demand a new Stamford Bridge, you know. We demand a new Old Trafford, mm. but you know, for uh, Old Trafford especially, they probably do need a new. Well, these expansion. these kind of clubs do. I mean, but when we West don't. Ham moved, they needed it because they were selling out for years and years and years. And I mean, that they sell out the London Stadium. They sell out the London Stadium. Which is, so we're never going to have. We we haven't got that we level. We haven't got that that track. We haven't got the um you know sort of not just the fan base, the size of the fan base, but the fact that they're London based and they're going to have. You know, visitors coming from all different countries wanting to go and watch football matches. Uh, we just don't have that. Um, and they have the ability like... to use it as a. Uh, as... This bloody ice cream man's going off again. I know, um, I'm, I need 99. Uh, um, he, he knows we're recording, that's why he's put it on louder. Um, but with it being in London. We need more ice cream fans at yeah. the Hawthorns. <laughs> with it being Keep in, it modest. With it being in London and, and in the Tottenham um, Stadium as well, they can use it as. You know, so they've got the NFL pitch on the at the at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, mm. and they can host boxing, you know, concerts and stuff like that. Whereas for us, they're not going to use the Hawthorns necessarily when they can use Villa Park, which is used a lot for concerts. Mm. The the Rico Arena especially is, is very close as well, and places like this. So we don't have that ability to go. Oh, but we can make it a multi venue. 
yeah, know, yeah. It's stadium. not, not going to happen. So we don't have that clout essentially to be able to to push for that. We just don't have the means to it, and, and I agree with you. I don't think we need to change much. Um, you know, maybe at some point in the future, um, you know, sort of extending the West Stand, maybe. Um, Bit of extra legroom, guys. I was, for us, about, uh, I was about to say legroom. Six or fivers, um, but that's just us, you know. We're just, you know, we've got long femurs, and uh, we need that catered for. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, we're gonna finish the podcast now, guys, with a, a little bit of uh, transfer talk, and uh, I'm gonna go and get a, a cheeky ninety nine. I think. Yeah, if he keeps driving around, it might have to be that way. But guys, send in your your memories of of the Hawthorns at Albion Opinions. Uh, we'd love to read them. Uh, if you've got any questions about the Hawthorns or any mem- any more you want to hear from us, then be sure to do it. I'm pretty sure a questions episode is coming up soon. Yep. Um, so be sure to send those in at Albion Opinions. Um, and hopefully, if we check our phones, there might be some new transfer news. Um, but it's very hopeful, isn't it, to, to think there'll be more transfer yeah, it's, news. It's going to be a very brief uh, transfer segment this week, guys. <laughs> So yeah, transfer talk. Um, so done deal. Uh, one that we we know is absolutely done and dusted now. So Kipre signed. Cedric Kipre um, yeah. from Wigan Athletic. Yeah, it's something uh, along the lines of was it about nine hundred thousand a million pounds? It, it's disputed. It's, it's a million. Uh, what I know, from, what I know, is it's a million or less. Yeah, I've I've owned, the biggest figure I've seen quoted. Uh, the biggest figure I've seen quoted is a million, and I've seen seven fifty and all this. Regardless, I think it's a really good bit of business. Yeah, given the current market, um, million pounds for a centre back that's well loved by the club. And um, to be fair, I did see a, a really nice um, sort of message on Facebook from Wigan um, when uh, when it was announced officially on the on the official uh, Facebook page. Uh, and Wigan just sort of said, you know, you know, well done on your move to the Premier League, and uh, hope your career continues to flourish, etc., etc. I thought that was really nice. It's a really um, bold move just, from them. Just quickly. Um... All about saving Wigan. Uh, what's yeah, happening yeah. to that club is awful, yep. and I hope the club survives, and I hope it's sorted um, because what's going on is a disgrace. Yeah, especially if the rumours can be believed. Yeah, as a side note, definitely, um, you hate to see that kind of stuff happen in football. Um, but we're, we're benefiting from it, which is one thing. But still, yeah, I mean, you know, we've uh, we've had, we've benefited with uh, having a one-to-one relationship with the administrator in that sense. But we, you know, as a football fan, you hate to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so moving on to um, you know strikers, uh, Carlon Grant seems to be a name that um, he's been linked with us quite heavily. Um, reports saying that um, we've had a. Sixteen million pound bid rejected. Some reports saying sixteen million pounds being accepted. Some uh, saying it's yeah. eighteen million. People saying sixteen million rejected, eighteen million accepted. Quickly, none of this has come through official channel. What I would consider official channels. Yeah. Being, this is just goes for anything about reputable sources. Being, um, reluctant Nico seems a pretty uh, reliable guy. Mm. J Percy Telegraph yep. at J Percy Telegraph. Um, Obviously, Massey uh, and everyone on the Express and Star. Yeah. Um, the Athletic, of course. That's Steve Madley over there. Yeah. Um, Birmingham Mail to a point. Uh, it's not very Albion focused. And Express and um, Star. And Express and Star, obviously. But like you know, obviously we've said before, it's a it's a wall centric paper. But you know, it's still yeah, very I, reputable for Albion. I, news. I think it's a, it's a it's a paper that will. Then I said this to my barber yesterday, who's a Wolves fan, and he goes, "Oh, it's very wall centric, isn't it?" I went, "Yeah, but." What are they going to run a full page spread on us beating Derby? Or are they going to run a full page spread over you pushing for Europe? 
And it was the same when we were in the Premier League and they were in League One. They're mm. going to back the better team. But in a day like today, when we've got Massey on Twitter and he can tell us anything immediately, yeah, I'm not fussed about the paper. It doesn't matter. Uh, but those are sort of the people and the, the sources I'd, I'd consider reputable. Nothing is really, other than, and Sky Sports, of course, um, other than us, any interest confirmed, I've not seen anything about bids or anything from what I'd consider reputable sources. Mm. Um, same with Michi Bashiwai. Uh, yep. I've seen that, that there is interest from the Albion for a loan deal. Which um, I think that would be um, you know, the best course of action for us, a loan deal for for Batishwai. Um, you know, from uh, what I've same seen. Same with Troy Deeney again, another striker with loan. I think because of the because of the wages he's looking at, um, because of the fact that obviously it's precarious, um, you know, we're staying up this season going down. Um, you don't want to overspend on a player like that and give up take, the, on, so the, take on the wage as well or have to put in a release clause that means that we'll have to sell him for half price, etc. Something like that. So I think an initial loan deal would be great. Splitting think, the wage. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy with Carl and Grant as well. Uh, you know, a striker that's prolific in the championship. I'm hoping that because of um, the way that he plays, he'll fit our system really, really well. I'm sure he will. He's Room scored, to improve as well. Yeah, he scored a, a good number of goals in a really, really poor Huddersfield side this year um, with you know some terrible management, in my opinion. Um, so, uh, happy with the call on Grant. I think 16 to 18 is probably the market rate, considering yeah. um, Grady has signed as well for uh, £18 million. Pounds. Seems to be... Yeah, um, um, again, conflicting stuff on this. Uh, we know officially um, an £18 million transfer fee total was accepted. They think it's 12 up front, yeah. six in add-ons. Um, they confirmed a medical was booked in for today. Nothing's been, I don't think, officially said about whether he's passed or not. Yeah. Again, there's people coming out and saying he's passed and that Kravinovich is booked in for this afternoon and Colin Grant's booked in for Sunday, which until I see it on well, multiple we... sources... I'm not going to believe. We don't know, but all, all we can say, you know, all I can say for certain is, if the reports are true, then I'm I'm kind of happy with the way that we're moving forward. If we if we finish the week with, um, well, we have finished the week with uh, Dean Garner signed and Kipre signed, but if we finish with um, we potentially, Sunday, yeah, Sunday, uh, potentially um, Batishwai on loan, Carlin Grant signed for sixteen or eighteen million pounds, Kipre in, Dean Garner in, Kravinovic yeah, done, yeah, Kravinovic done as well. Um, and potentially even Troy Deeney on loan. Um, obviously, all I'll say is with these, you know, if we have two or three strikers coming in, it does mean that two or so strikers will have to go out. You know, we'll yeah. have to see Zahore go out and probably Charlie. I can't see Hal Robson Carney going out. He's too much of a utility player up front. I, for us. I like Hal Robson Carney. I, I, like I don't like him starting. I won't. I, I won't I bash like him. Hal. I won't bash yeah. him at all. Um, I like him off the bench. I think he's really good. Is he a prolific striker? No, of course he's not. Um, and the, the one element of our game that really suffers in the forward positions is our proficiency. We're a team that creates a huge number of chances, um, and yet we don't have a, a person that can finish uh, eight yards from goal. You know that's the pro that's the problem. Um, Mishi Batishwai is an example. Is very very well known to be a very clinical striker. It's I, just... I really like these links with Grant, with Deeney, and Batshuayi especially. Mm. Um, and if if we brought in Deeney and Grant, then you know Troy Deeney is a, a guy who's played Premier League football for a number of years now, mm. who can who can guide Carl and Grant uh, and and push him onto that another level. Mm. Um, and Troy Deeney is a great person to have in the in the in the changing room. Um, so I, I'm all for those links. Well, if you see that as a way up, you see D potentially. 
Um, Dini coming in, Batishwai coming in, Carlin Grant coming in, and potentially out of the three, Halverson Kanu, uh, Zahore, and um, Austin, Austin going out. I, that's a massive boost for our attacking Probably, options. Um, if we brought in all three, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tulloch go out on loan, Probably. possibly. Um, well, ju- just quickly, Alex Palmer and Callum Morton uh, have gone on loan to Lincoln for the year. Mm. Uh, Callum Morton, of course, uh, signed a new four-year contract, smashed it on loan at Northampton back end of last year. Yeah, uh, scored at Wembley, was with them up to promotion, so it was a great move for him. Um, and just uh, just coming in from Huddersfield Town, um, they tweeted not too long ago. Uh, CC and Carl and Grant and Steve Mounier, they've been training with us, but there is interest from other clubs, and it is possible that they will leave. We accept this, um, and then go on and speak about they. They'll give more minutes. Um, I've seen that they've. Uh, he's been withdrew from the EFL squad, um, so it it could be very likely, guys, that there has been a bid accepted, um, or that they're closer in an agreement. But I just urge people to, unless it comes from reputable sources, just take everything with a pinch of salt. Yeah. Don't believe it as gospel. Don't go and get your hopes up that. We're signing this player, that player. Because until it comes from these reputable sources that know that they can't report on it unless it's true because they will get backlash. Yeah. Uh, Massey even said, you they know... They have codes of conduct. It's not like, you know, some of these some of these unreputable sources, they don't have codes of conduct. Yeah. You know, the Athletic has a code of conduct. The Express and Star, all these actual sources yeah. have, um, you know, things in place to make sure that they are reputable, and that's the reason why we do listen to them. Yeah, and, you know, I was, uh, you know, as many Albion fans probably do, going through Joseph Massey's Twitter, seeing if he reported anything, mm. uh, went to his tweets and replies, and someone had asked him, you know, like there's this thing going on, 10pm tweet from Massey uh, upcoming, and he went, probably not, got burnt yesterday mm. for, uh, about uh, Evo Gerbich, yeah. because the, the, his source uh, wasn't aware of the Atletico Madrid links. Um, so, for a person like Massey, if he's gonna, if he reported on a, a, a link with Gerbich, which was true, but got burnt because he his source didn't know that there was obvious interest from Atletico as well, and that it was likely, that shows you how careful these guys are yeah. and how meticulous they are. You know, Massey has direct links with the club. He doesn't have these made up links and and go, oh, I can't disclose them for whatever reason. Mm. You know, this guy can't disclose them. Uh, you know, doing a, a sports journalism degree myself, I have a degree of. I'm not saying I'm in the. We know. don't have a degree yet. I don't have a, doing the degree. <laughs> I'm saying um, I don't. I'm not saying I'm in the know, but I know of how these things work. So a person like Joseph Massey, Steve Madley, mm. you know Jay Percy. I, I, I don't know his first name. Uh, Jay Percy Telegraph. I think that's his uh, government name. Yeah. Um, you know they will have contacts who aren't just people. Who claim to be in the know? These will be agents. These will be kit men in the ground. You know, actual people within the board, within the within the club. Those are their sources. Mm. So, of course, they're not going to disclose these people. For years, there was a uh, a contact within the Albion team um, that would report stuff uh, to uh, to a reporter, and they tried to catch him out. They gave him some you know bullcrap link, and see if it got out to the uh, media. To find out if it was him, mm. but he realised it was some bu- bullshit link, and didn't say anything. So, like, oh, it's not him then. Um, so the, the, these guys have links deep in the club, yeah, and that's why they are so reliable. They're not just putting random stuff that come from random people on Twitter, yeah. 
so just guys I, I, public service announcement like you know to round off um trust these sources that we've spoken about and that max has outlined uh, throughout this segment well i'm not saying what i say goes these what these guys no, say no but goes. have that have I'm that mentality that these are the reputable sources i consider have that mentality don't have don't don't go on the last opinion that you've heard off off whatever source that you've seen you know trust in the people that you know um is are reputable you know if you if you see something if you see um a transfer rumor then go on these guys twitter accounts and see what they've been saying you know just take it like max like max says take it with a pinch of salt um it's so easy to get enthralled um and embroiled into the into the transfer talk and we will for the next month because it's such a long transfer window um especially post covid now um but like we say guys some exciting transfers that have been announced especially for striking options in the last week um and yeah like we say uh we want your feedback as well on uh albion opinions so if you've got any um striking options that haven't been talked about uh in the transfer mill um and that we haven't talked about uh in the podcast so far then let us know uh dm the account at albion opinions on instagram um and we might be able to talk about and give you a bit of a shout out in a previous episode and talk about maybe some some different transfer options um up front or in any other position yeah, guys, so be sure to follow us uh, at Albion Opinions. Get involved. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Yep. Um, and we'll be sure to uh, speak to you guys next time. Uh, as always, guys, come on, you baggies. <laughs>